0: We're turning in our Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read from verse 50 through to 58 and then just a few verses from Revelation chapter 21. Let's hear the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For inasmuch as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And in Revelation chapter 21, in the first four verses, we read this, Revelation 21 verses 1 to 4, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Amen, we know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now my text tonight is found in the book of Revelation chapter 21 and verse four. And I want us to take the words and there shall be no more death. That's my topic tonight. Now, this is the second message on the series of messages dealing with the subject, the no mores of heaven. We thought last week, and there was no more sea. Now we're thinking tonight, and there shall be no more death. Now, here's one thing that's definitely not found in heaven. Many ask, what is heaven like? Well, here's something that's not there. So it's different from the earth. It says in the scriptures, and there shall be no more death. Now I want us to think about four things this evening. First of all, there's a declaration about death. Think of the word death. And what are we told? And there shall be no more death. So here's the declaration about death. No more death. It's as simple as that. You see, the dark shadow of death is etched across the landscape of this world. It has been so since the fall of man into an state of sin and misery. If we think of Greek mythology tonight, the Greeks talked about the sword of Damocles being suspended in the air, ready to drop at any second on any soul. And all men tonight live under a constant source of threat. And that threat can come and destroy our hopes, dash our earthly dreams, end what we call earthly happiness. Remember, as human beings, we are creatures that are alive. We are creatures that love life. We are creatures that are sustained by the mercy and good pleasure of God. That's why we exist on planet Earth. We only exist due to God's good pleasure. And and God provides for us not only the breath that we need, but all the other things that are necessary to sustain our physical bodies on this Earth. Yet tonight, here's the reality. All of us, including everyone who's born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood of Christ, we are all in death row. Do you know tonight you're in death row? We're all born under a sentence of death, and the sword of death hangs over all our plans and expectations and all our joys and all our goals. And as we live out our life, we're filled with a sense of our own mortality. We're filled with a sense of our frailty. And one day that unwelcome visitor will come. That angel of death. And he will come like an enemy. And he will take us away from all that we hold dear. One of the great fears that plagues the human race. His name is death. There's none greater than the fear of death. It's the greatest fear. Fear. That haunts men. Someone has rightly said. It's the sum of all fears. And how many men when asked the question. Are you afraid to die? Here's the answer yes. And they don't know when it will happen. Or where it will happen. Or the way that will happen. But one day they know this. That they will die. Nothing is certain in this life young people. Someone has said there's nothing uncertain in life. Except for two things. Taxes and death. Now if you have a clever accountant, or if you know one, or, or maybe a good lawyer, you could avoid taxes. But you'll never avoid death. The book of James, in James chapter 4, and in the verse 14, we read these words. Whereas you know not what shall be in the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish away. Life is short. Even if you live to 80. Even if you live to 90. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalm 90, verse 3, Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past. And as a watch in the night thou carriest them away, as with a the flood they are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. The first time death is mentioned in the Bible is in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2 and in the verse 17. And the first mention of death came from the lips of God. And God said to Adam in the garden of Eden in Genesis 2 and 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof Thou shalt surely die The word surely is an adverb It means in dying Thou shalt die And the moment Adam ate the forbidden fruit He died spiritually His body began to die physically And he was in danger of eternal death Even though he lived to it was 930 And if one day in the sight of the Lord Is like a thousand years And Adam lived to was 930 Then it was still true that God says In the day that thou eatest thereof Thou shalt surely die. But it's interesting when you read Genesis chapter 1, it doesn't mention death. Life is mentioned in Genesis chapter 1 verse 20. Life is mentioned in Genesis chapter 1 verse 24. Life is mentioned in chapter 2 verse 7 when God took the dust of the ground and formed a human body and breathed into that body the breath of life. Man became a living soul. And it's mentioned in chapter 2, verse 9. So four times the word life is mentioned. Life. Life. Eternal life. See, that was God's definite plan. Four in the Bible is the number of witness. And four times it's mentioned life because it was pointing to God's definite plan for mankind. Man wasn't born to die. Man chose to die because of disobedience. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we could link it up to the book of Romans in Romans chapter five. And in the verse 12, wherefore as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world. And what happened? And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all sinned. We all sinned in Adam. And in verse 19, it says, for by one man's disobedience, many were made Sinners. You see, I could talk tonight about the universality of death, because of the universality of sin and all ages. young, old, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, religious and non-religious. We're all going to die. It was Samuel that said in Second Samuel in chapter 14 and verse 14, these words, "For we must." needs die. And are as water spilt in the ground which cannot be gathered up again? Neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. What a powerful gospel text. But think of those words, we must needs die. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble as the sparks fly upward. He said in Job 14 verse 10, man dieth and wasteth away, yet ye giveth up the ghost. Where is he? Hebrews 9 and 27 says, For as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. What is death? Death is giving up the ghost. It's the soul and spirit leaving the body. It's a separation of soul and spirit, and the body's left a lifeless corpse. That's inevitable. That's inescapable. That's unavoidable. George Bernard Shaw said this, The statistics on death have not changed. From the dawn of time, one out of one days. Do you know that worldwide, there's 56,600,000 deaths per year? 4.7 million deaths per month? 155,000 per day? 6,500 per hour? 107 per minute? 1.8. Per second, And you know what? Death doesn't care Whether you're young or old, rich or poor Educated or uneducated, religious or non-religious It was again the Greek playwright Sophocles who said Of all the great wonders of the world None is greater than man Only for death can he find no cure No cure for death That's what the Greek playwright talked about And yet here's the message of the bible which he bypassed and didn't know it says in revelation 21 verse 4 and there was no more death now here's the question is that simply too good to be true and the answer is a resounding no because in bible believing christianity bible believing christianity is such a wonderful religion In that it proclaims that one day there will be a permanent relief from death. Not just from pain and suffering and sorrow and tears. But a permanent relief from death itself. That unwelcome visitor, that angel of death will one day be no more. He'll not be able to strike down the children of men neither young nor old. You see in the world to come we discover a glorious truth. A wonderful reality. And listen to me carefully. Death doesn't win in the end. There's a victory in the last battlefield. There is an end to the last enemy. Someone has rightly said, God will not let death win. Victory over death is guaranteed. You visit the cemetery. What do you discover? Read the headstones. Time to be born. A time to die. You could sit and watch all day and have a cup of tea and some cake and sandwiches. You can read all the headstones together within any cemetery, believers and non-believers alike. But listen to me carefully. Death is not the end of the story. We are all on a journey of life. We will all one day face death. The dark, cold hand of death will come for us. And when it comes, we we have to ask the question as we look forward and wonder, well, what is next? What's answer death? And here's the answer. In Christ, you have nothing to fear. When you die, the way you die, where you'll die, what your physical condition is, you've got this wonderful promise from the Lord, and there shall be no more death. That's a declaration about death. I want you to think, secondly, the destruction of death. Because I, I'm going to announce tonight, not only does death not win at the end, but death has been defeated. Do you know that death's an enemy? Are you aware of that tonight? Over there in First Corinthians chapter 15, we read in the verse um, twenty. Six, it says, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, how was death destroyed and defeated? Well, Hebrews 4, or Hebrews 2, verses 14 to 15 helps to supply the answer. For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That's to do with his incarnation. That through death, that's his crucifixion, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The very weapon that Satan uses against man and causes fear and dread, the Lord Jesus came and seized and used to destroy the devil. That's why Colossians chapter 2 and in the verse 14 we read uh, these uh, tremendous words. It's actually Colossians 2 and in 15, we read this. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And you read the context in it has to refer to the cause of Christ. So here's the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to think about his incarnation, being born for sinners and living in a human body in the likeness of sinful flesh. And yet in that body he lived a sinless life. He did no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin. And then he offered himself a substitutionary, a stoning death on the cross. And by his death on the cross and his blood shedding, he triumphed over sin, grieved the hell, the devil himself, all by his atoning death and the shedding of his blood. And over there again and. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The resurrection of Christ from the tomb is the guarantee, the proof that God accepted and God was satisfied with Christ once and for all sacrifice. Hebrews 10 and 12, but this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. We think of the hymn, up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. You see, the doctrine of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's an integral part of the gospel. You've got to believe in his incarnation, his substitutionary atoning death for you. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, but also his bodily resurrection from the dead. You see, when death comes, what does it bring? It brings sorrow, it brings grief. A sense of terrible loss comes into your home, there's an empty chair. Into the heart, there's an ache, there's a tear. There's heartache. Death contains many mysteries. I wonder, do you ever ask yourself, like Barzilla I did, how long have I to live? You see, if I asked you tonight, write down a piece of paper and put it in a wee fold-up together and give it into to me as you leave the service, you wouldn't know. You would have to write, don't know. But I want to tell you, God knows. And every breath you breathe is a gift from him. Do you know that you live dependent on him? Do you know that one day you'll give an account of him? The Bible says, then, every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. The cemeteries, they're full of dead people who were once alive. And neither science, nor history, nor philosophy can tell us any more but that the cemeteries are full of dead people once alive. But we don't have to speculate. We don't have to reason. We have got divine revelation. Listen to the word of God tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 it says, But it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who hath abolished death. And it brought life and immortality to light Through the gospel You see this victory that's guaranteed is all in Christ And even one day if we have to die physically We discover death is not the end Because death has been abolished Spurgeon said death is but the vestibule to glory And the moment we close our eyes in death We open in heaven and we're opening in the presence of Jesus Christ. And we enter a place where there's no more death. Now it's only for those in Christ. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and in the verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. It's only for those in Christ. Are you in Christ tonight? It's only for those who repent and believe the gospel. It's only for those who receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Redeemer, who are born again and cleansed in the precious blood. Do you have that assurance tonight? That David had, yea, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. With me in the journey. Have you got that assurance by your side? And you're going to be with Christ, which is far better when you die. Remember, Paul says, for me to live is what? Christ. And to die is what? It's gain it's an advantage to me I press home tonight who or what are you living for there's a declaration about death but you've got to understand the defeat of death I wanted to tell you something else there has to be delight after death imagine in your mind with me you're in a visit say to Mount Stewart or better than that, some of the stately homes in Northern Ireland or some of the big castles or even Buckingham Palace. Imagine entering that stately home castle, Mount Stuart for the very first time. Impressive buildings. Fancy architecture. You'd reflect on that visit. It would have an impact in your heart. I mean, you might even describe it as, well, I was blown away. And you're excited And you would talk about it And you would utter the words You should go too You should see it for yourself A couple of years ago When we were down at Hevlin At the Agri-Conference We decided on one of those occasions We would visit um, Castle Cool, And of course it was closed Um, We discovered You have to purchase a ticket It's not free to enter You have to pay or, Or someone has to pay for you And give you the ticket for free. Well, you know, I was thinking of that. Well, whether it's Buckingham Palace or Mount Stewart or some of these stately homes or some castle, like Castle Cool, you have to pay to enter. And and that's true about heaven. The Lord Jesus called heaven what? My Father's house. He said, In my Father's house are what? Many mansions. John 14, verse 2. And here's Revelation 21 and 22 is describing what heaven is like. You've got to think of the majesty and the magnificence of heaven. In Revelation 4, there's a visit to the throne room, and one sat on the throne. And in Revelation 5, we're introduced to the Lamb in the midst of the throne. The newly slain Lamb is Christ, and and the thought is, "Worthy the Lamb? And isn't it hard to take it all in? It's hard as you think about it. Over there in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 2 and verse 9, it says... Um, uh, these words Second Corinthians chapter 2 And verse 9 In fact it's First Corinthians chapter 2 And verse 9 It says this But as it is written I have not seen Nor ear heard Neither have entered into the heart of man The things which God has prepared For them that love him You think of the things that God has prepared For them that love him Do you love him tonight? Do you know him? I was reading just the other day, thinking of the glories of heaven, Dr. Alan Kearns' book, February the 9th. The title was The Thrill of Gospel Victory. We will rejoice in thy salvation, he was writing about. Rejoice! Rejoice! The things that God has prepared for those that love him. Let's rejoice in that. The plan of God's salvation. Ordained before the foundation of the world. The purchase of that salvation. The precious blood of Christ. The blood of the lamb without blemish. The pardon all sin. Every thought, every word, every deed. Under the blood, past, present, and future. Is God not rich in mercy? When he says, Thy sins and iniquities, I'll remember no more. Peace. Peace with God. Therefore been justified by faith, with peace with God. The peace of God that passes understanding. Power. Power to live. You see, that power to live is the resurrection power of Christ. The same power that raised him from the dead raised us to newness of life. And what's the prospect At home with the Lord. Do you know what this body's like tonight as we finish? It's like a tent. You live in a tent. Now, I'm not a tent man. Brother Alan Irvine, he he would be a tent man. But I'm not a tent man. But our bodies are like a tent. And you know, tents wear out. And they sag. And they get a bit creaky. And a bit wrinkly. And isn't that true about our bodies? The hardening of the arteries. You reach a certain age, your teeth could start falling out. Your bones break. Your, your back becomes stooped. Your, your body bulges. No amount of vitamins, neither A, B, C, or D. All the exercise of the day, all you do, tradition. It's not going to stop the aging process. You see, the body's not going to last forever. Do you know what I discovered? The human body. 50 to 70 billion souls die in our bodies every day that's 350 billion a week well that is just mind-blowing isn't it but one day we're going to trade it for a building a tent is temporary it's flimsy it's easily torn it's meant to be replaced the building is strong it's built on a good foundation it's got a solid structure you see death is not the end And young people, it's nothing to do with reincarnation or evaporation or annihilation or soul sleep. We have got divine revelation. Death is like a trade-in. An old tent, Lord, for a new building from God. Not made with human hands. A building that's eternal. A building that's heavenly. An eternal and heavenly body. Like unto Christ's body. Oh, what blessed comfort. Even in the intermediate state. With a justified soul awaiting the resurrection, the return of Christ. We're going to get a new body like Christ's body. Are you awaiting the day of resurrection? Are you awaiting the return of Christ when the trumpets will sound? You see, here's the delight after death. Because death is not the end of the story. Death has been abolished and defeated. And death is but a trade-in even after its effects have been felt. An old tent. And we're getting a new building. A new body. I want you to think of one final thing. The deliverance from death. You see it says in our text. And there shall be no more death. Now why? Shall there be no more death? Pause and think. Not only is this a true declaration about death. And not only is there the defeat of death or the destruction and the light after death, but there's deliverance from death. Because in Christ, if you have been redeemed by the precious blood and chosen unto eternal life, you've been made anew for something better, something greater. You're going to get a new body, at the resurrection, at the return of Christ. But if you're in Christ, you're as good as there. See, see. let me ask you this as we finish. Your loved ones have died. You've been to the cemetery and that. You've stood at the open grave. And I want you to think of this. Are you going to see your loved ones again? Your father, your mother, your children. How do we know that we're going to see them again? How do we know that they're in heaven? How do we know that we too are going to be in heaven? Well, here's the guarantee. He raised his own son from the dead. You stand at the empty tomb. And if God didn't leave his own son in the grave, but raised him from the dead, then he not leave us who are in Christ in the grave. Because the Lord Jesus conquered death, grave in the hell, conquered devil. He not when he raised his own son from the dead as proof of a guarantee, but he bequeathed to us his Holy Spirit. If you're born of God and the Spirit of God indwells you, the indwelling of the Spirit is the down payment. And the psalmist said, In thy presence is fullness of joy, and that thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Sometimes when you go into homes, you'll see a little prack, Home, sweet home. You've heard the elderly saying, my late mother-in-law used to talk about it, Oh, there's no place like home. You love home, don't you? But think of this as I finish. I want you to think of a missionary. He's in furlough. He spent five years in Africa. He's on his way home. He's in one of them big wooden boats. It's going to take about six weeks to get home. He's thinking of home. He wants to meet his parents. haven't seen them for five years. They haven't even spoken on the telephone because they just could write letters. This has gone back 40, 50, 60 years ago. He was thinking of a girl. And he loved this girl before he left And hadn't got the courage to ask her out or go on a date And he was thinking, I'm going to go on a date with this girl And uh, and you know what, I'm going to ask her to marry me And he was all excited And he was very happy about coming home In his middle of the journey A couple of weeks in He took some sort of sickness I think there's a sickness at sea called scurvy And I'm not sure if that's what he took But he took very ill And they sent for the ship doctor And this is what the ship doctor told them You have two days to live And he was shocked And he said to the doctor But I thought I was going to my earthly home And now you've come with this news of two days to live Well doctor it's this God is sovereign God has other plans And I'm not going to see my earthly home but I'm going to go to my heavenly home. You see, that was his assurance. And it was guaranteed on what basis God raised his own son from the dead and God has put his Holy Spirit within me. It's the down payment that one day I'll be in heaven. It's the down payment that my loved ones will be in heaven. Thomas Watson has said this, it's more sure that we arrive out of the grave than you arrive out of your bed. You know, people that we've grew up with, friends and family, many of them have been taken. Plans that maybe you had for your future. Some people think, go to this college or that college. When I graduate, I'll buy a car, I'll get this job, I'll do this and that. I'll marry this person, I'll marry that person. And they have these plans set and dreams made in their mind. But you know their futures in the hand of God, just like their friends. But I want to ask, because death can come and take them away. Death can, can can destroy those, and has done. But let me ask: Is your faith in the hand of God? Are you trusting in Christ? Is He alone your Lord and Savior? Because even though the Bible says that there should be no more death, we thank God for that declaration. And we acknowledge that there's been the defeat or the destruction of death through the personal work of Christ. And we rejoice that there's going to be delight after death. We're bound for heaven and home. There has to be deliverance from death, but it's only guaranteed if you're found in Christ. And what is faith? Well, it's this. Forsaking all, I trust him. Five letters. You go home with that tonight. Think about that. And ask yourself this as you go out that door. Am I saved? Am I trusting in Christ? Not the church. Not in your own baptism. Not in your good works. Not in your honesty or uprightness. Not in abstention from alcohol or anything. But are you trusting in Christ? And Christ alone for salvation. Faith is forsaking all. I trust him. And if you trust him. You will know no deliverance from death, even if your body dies, and you'll know delight after death, and you'll discover how death has been abolished, and this declaration will be made, and there'll be no more death. The Lord bless you tonight. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening, and if I can be of any help, please feel free to come and speak to me at the end of the service.